Good morning, everybody. It's uh, Big Daddy, and and uh, we're talking to uh, Stanley Cup champion coach. Uh, and something may a lot of people may not know. Um, you're fourth all time in wins. So, uh, but more importantly, let's everyone say hello to Coach Barry Trotz of the New York Islanders. How you doing, Coach? I'm doing great. How are you? How was the uh, Thanksgiving? Uh, Thanksgiving was great. Uh, you know, as always, uh, plenty of food, plenty of uh, turkey coma afterwards, and uh, and then try not to do it again two days, you know, uh, two times in one day. So I've gotten pretty good at that. So, uh, you know, I've dropped a few pounds since the last time you saw me. I haven't, we haven't seen each other since I think February. Exactly. I think uh, we met with my, uh, my agent, uh, Gil Scott and you yeah. and. Yeah, that was over dinner. So, uh, yeah. so I've dropped about uh, 60 something pounds since you last saw me. I know I was going to mention that uh, just before, but uh, that's fantastic. Uh, I think that's, uh, that's great. Uh, Health-wise, we've uh, COVID's done some great things and some bad things through this time. Uh, good thing is we're probably a little more in tune to our fitness and and what have you, just because we've got more time. Yeah, I think the coronavirus diet started me off uh, on the right <laughs> path to get going and uh, lead a healthier lifestyle after getting uh, after not being able to eat and then you know cutting it back and uh, refining what I was eating. So. Uh, you know, and uh, having a great workout partner, uh, getting up every morning. We're in the gym by six uh, to get it out of the way so it doesn't uh, affect. There's no excuse for not getting it in because we're going early. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, but anyway, uh, so one of the things that uh, a lot of fans, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of sports fans out there and, you know, some follow football, some follow hockey, some follow baseball, some follow basketball. And, um, you know, the one thing I always wanted to do is, you know, introduce people like yourself because, one, you're successful. Two, you're a leader. And and I'll tell you, three, I could say this honestly, how many people welcomed you and were so happy that you were named coach and, uh, and you've done great things already. And, I, I mean, I know – your ultimate goal is to win Stanley Cups and championships and all that. But, but I think you're, you're taking the team in the right direction. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, I, I think one of the decisions to obviously come to the island was to, to get an opportunity to – I always consider myself a builder. And, uh, you know, uh, obviously with the, uh, the change, uh, losing uh, – you know, it was a year of losing uh, John Tavares and – and uh, the uncertainty of the building and all that, but getting a chance to work with uh, uh, ownership and uh, Lou Lamarillo, who I, I really didn't know very well uh, at all. And uh, just trying to, you know, another challenge. I, I thought there were some good pieces here, and, and I still believe that. So uh, we've been able to, uh, a, lot of, a lot of coaches will say, and I, and I overuse this term too, is change the culture. It wasn't really... Uh, changing the culture is just changing mindset, uh, understanding how good you can be. I'm not a big uh, believer in, um, you know, overachieving. A lot of people thought that we overachieved uh, our first year and then, you know, last year as well. And I, I don't think I'm a big believer in overachieving. I believe in getting a group of men to collectively play as close to their potential as, as possible. And 
that's the that's the difficult thing in, in coaching, I think. Well, I think the one thing that you brought to the table uh, with this team is excitement. I mean, people were excited. People were talking Islander hockey. People saw the difference. And, and you know, me being that I'm in the sports world, but on the other side of it where I work with the teams and players, you, you know, you feel the buzz, you get to see the buzz and you, and you hear, you know, people talk and, you know, everybody always wants to be uh, affiliated with a winner. So uh, you're on your way and, and, you know, kudos to you because you have, you know, you have changed the environment. And I think people now actually believe, Hey, we could win. We could do this, you know? Yeah, no, I, I think part of it is, you know, you want the fans, I think, as every coach, every player wants to, you know, we get the energy from from the fans and there is a pride in the in the uh, in the jersey, the crest. I mean, the Islanders have such a great tradition. Um, I remember when I first started coaching and I was in the minor leagues and, you know, the, the, the Islanders were still have that mystique of it coming off the four cups and there was a mystique about, you know, how hard they work, how are you going to beat them? They had great leadership. And obviously Al Arbor uh, was a coach at the time and a, a tremendous coach. And I looked up to, you know, what was, how do you get your teams to play like that? And, and uh, to me, um, the Islanders have had some, some turbulent years since the, I'll say the glory days of Al Arbor and the four cups. Uh, but there's some, some great pieces that are, have, have come about uh, starting with the ownership, Scott Malkin and now Lou Lamarillo is, is one of the best I've seen at, at getting teams and organizations very focused and, and single-minded in, the, in, in, in winning. Um, and that's what we've been able to do in a short time, uh, establishing a winning tradition. There's only going to be one happy team every year and one happy fan base. And uh, sometimes you got to go through a lot of misery uh, even during the glory years of the Islanders, they had to go through a lot of miseries where they, I'll say, maybe didn't get to their goal when they thought they should. Uh, and we did that in Washington as well. Uh, you saw that in Tampa. They've had some struggles, but getting over that that group over the hump. And uh, I think from our standpoint is building something so that we can be a threat every year. Um, and you're gonna, there's going to be some years they're going to have bigger disappointments. I mean, uh, right now, we can only take two more steps based on where we, we finished last year in the bubble, uh, and that is winning the conference and then winning a Stanley Cup. So, you know, anything below that is going to probably be a little bit of disappointment. So, uh, but that's okay. I think if you want to play meaningful games late, uh, that is a privilege that you, and that is something that uh, I think you have to respect and something that you, you want to do every year. So, that's our goal is to try to get to those, those, those levels every year and, and beyond. So that's our goal is to get, get past where we were last year. And now you have Lou Lamorello getting uh, celebrities like Rick Pitino to buy season tickets. Now you got more pressure. On <laughs> oh yeah. Well, there's lots of coaches. I mean, that's the great thing about, uh, I think, uh, coaches that we understand that's what, that's where I, I think Lou is exceptional at is, you think about Lou's background. Uh, Lou has uh, been a coach. He's been a you know a director uh, uh, at a university, uh, AD. Um, you know he's coached internationally. He's coached in the NHL. 
some games, but he's managing the NHL and he's been a big part of it. So he understands what coaches go through. It's uh, it's a uh, thankless job. Uh, I think we get way too much credit when we do, and we get too much blame. It's just that comes with the uh, job description. So now you have this new building coming up. Uh, that's that looks fantastic, by the way. Uh, you know, I, uh, I've driven past it. it it's gone up ver- very quickly. And, uh, you know, it's going to be exciting to see when that's all open and, and ready to go. And now you you have a home which is really your home because you're on the island and you're not going all the way to Brooklyn or you're not playing somewhere that you don't want to be. And the fans, I'm sure, are excited to have their own building because, like you say, you, you draw energy from the fans well when you have your fan base there i mean that's uh as we say home field advantage you know home court advantage yeah no question i I think the uh the belmont uh that building once it's complete will really enhance this franchise i think one of the struggles that that has been uh for the islanders and and a little bit of free agency is uh, i know uh everybody respects uh you know the group that's put in place here now. Um, but from a free agent standpoint, if you're saying, Hey, you know, you can come into the you know, Belmont park, uh, beautiful rink. Uh, you've got a, a strong organization, a strong team. Uh, and you know, you're doing that, or you have to go to two different rinks on different days. And you've got a, you know, some days it's going to be a 45 minute, uh, hike to get or an hour hike to get into the rink. And then after post game. So that, I think from a free agent standpoint, all that, uh, it's going to be a real, real bonus. And I, I think it's going to, going to help our franchise and it's a source of pride because, you know, you know, you, even as, a, as players or coaches, where do you play? And well, we sort of play here sometimes and sort of play here <laughs> other times. It just doesn't, it doesn't translate as well when you're trying to sell what you're trying to do with your program. Yeah. As, and, you know, you mentioned earlier the bubble, let's talk about the bubble. That was uh you know, I'm sure you, you've got about a hundred different scenarios and stories in relation to the bubble. So tell us a little bit about that experience. Well, the, the bubble, uh, you know, we had to form our own bubble uh, within our own community before we even, uh, and that's in the Long Island area. Obviously, I live in Garden City, so a lot of the players, the coaches, I mean, we stayed together, uh, my coaching staff that were uh, in town, uh, they were, we had supper at my house almost every night, uh, barbecuing in the summer. So it worked out fine. And a lot of the players did the same thing, uh, where they all met at the, you know, one or two places and they, they had a barbecue every night to create their own bubble. And then getting to the bubble in Toronto was, uh, was unique. Obviously we weren't part of the, um, uh, the top five teams at the, uh, out of the 12. Uh, so we were at the, a very nice hotel at Royal York. A uh, very big hotel, uh, probably about 600 rooms. And there was, you know, obviously the NHL uh, people as well as the uh, the seven teams. And as we went along, you know, it, it was great. It was fine. Uh, everything was done at the, you know, we ate well. We had great rooms, all that. Uh, I think it was a little more of a mental challenge is that you, we were in the middle of the, of the city surrounded by fences. And I, I call it a little bit of white collar. Uh, jail where we were treated very very well uh, but you could see everybody around you was you know carrying on and moving around and we were sort of 
in, in lockdown. And, and really the, the toughest part was uh, um, really the only place uh, that you could get, get outside. It was uh, uh, a cemented area, uh, sort of a patio um, surrounded by concrete. So we never really saw a whole lot of green for the first couple of weeks. And then as teams kept falling off, we ended up being the last team in this, uh, uh, in this very big, beautiful hotel. Uh, and I, and I sort of laughed at it is that, uh, when we got right down to the, the sort of the last couple of days and we were the only team there, I mean, there's 600, I think 600 plus rooms in that hotel and there's really about 55 or 60 people in the hotel. So, uh, you could go downstairs and, and see, uh, one person in the lobby and that was the person behind the desk. So, uh, I, I sort of, uh. Uh, made a joke, but I, I think I saw a little girl riding a bicycle down the end of the hallway, like The Shining. Uh, <laughs> there was uh, there was no one there, but it was a great start, and it was great for teams. It was almost uh, uh, they gave you your own floor, so guys were we had obviously the big ping pong tournament and all that. So it was fantastic. I think from a team bonding standpoint, our team is so so close, which is a real advantage to us. But it really helped. Uh, some of the new players that you know, obviously and Andy Green became a bigger part of our team. He felt more comfortable. Uh, uh, Pajot, uh, Ilias Roken, who, who came over but was that, was ineligible to play. It was fantastic for those for those guys to, to experience that. And then uh, obviously when we we uh, got into the quarterfinals, we were moved to the uh, Hotel X, which was right on the. Uh, uh, on the water of Lake Ontario. So you got to see some outside and there was actually a little bit of a grass area. You could actually walk over to uh, uh, the soccer field, uh, BMO field in Toronto, which gave you a little more room, which was a good mental break for us uh, and for our group because, you know, mentally we were in a, you know, we had to get into through the play in round and then we had to, you know, we had to get through the caps and, you know, and then we got to have to play the uh, uh, the Flyers in that seven-game series, and and that was uh, it gave us a little different perspective, and also a little break, mental break, getting over to Hotel X, and then obviously uh, going seven games uh, with the Flyers uh, was a a real good test for us, uh, and then uh, I just uh, I wish we would have had another day just to get from. Uh, we had the uh, the late game uh, up late. They got us up early, and we flew to Edmonton and basically started played the uh, conference final the next day with Tampa already sitting at Edmonton. So uh, we didn't have much chance in that first first game, and we sort of recuperated a little bit, uh, uh, and and we're much better in the uh, game two. And so we dug ourselves a hole right off the bat. But uh, I thought we, uh, as the series went on, uh, I thought we were we were getting ourselves back into it. It was, a, I'll tell you, it was so exciting to watch the playoffs and watch you guys in it. And, uh, and you know what, it, it, it brought life back to a lot of people, especially being, you know, we're all cooped up. No one can go anywhere. And then you, 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 you would say, I would even say, well, at least I know I'm going to watch the hockey game tonight. Like I got something planned, not just laying around or reading a book or whatever. The games were exciting. And, uh, obviously I wish you guys could have went all the way, but, uh, you know what, there's next year. And, uh, I think you're obviously taking the team in the right direction and, 
and people are excited to see what the Islanders are going to be like uh, this upcoming season. Yeah, I think this whole uh, Metro division is going to be really uh, a tough division. Uh, you see where the, uh, I think the Rangers, have, uh, you know, obviously they've got uh, some really good talent uh, that they've accumulated and through free agency as well as uh, through the draft. Uh, they, they've lucked out on a couple of their, you know, getting uh, first overall and the second overall pick in back-to-back <laughs> back years. I mean, that's... Uh, I feel bad about uh, a little bit about the draft that a team like Detroit, uh, you know, didn't get a higher pick, but uh, I think everybody knew the rules going in, but uh, you know, and then the devils are rebuilding and, and got some really good, good pieces there. So uh, you see what Philly is a really good young team that they've, uh, they've been, they're on their way up. And, and so this, this whole Metro area, obviously my, my former team, the caps are still a, uh, got lots and lots of high-end talent. So, uh, and then Carolina, who I, I think uh, people are don't realize how good that team is. So, uh, this whole division in, uh, is uh, it's going to be a bear for a long time, which is great for the fans. It's great for I always think the best teacher for your teams are good competition. And uh, when I was in Nashville as a as a uh, expansion coach, the I, I always said that the Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks, they were running, running off uh, a number of cups during those, uh, the years, the early years. Uh, they were our best teachers to become a, a competitive team. So now uh, hockey is starting obviously a little bit later than the normal. Um, when would you like the NHL season to start? That's a, a uh, about four months ago. <laughs> I, kind of figured, I was like, when I asked this question, I go, I'm probably going to get railroaded. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think you know we're creatures of habit, and obviously, this uh, we understand what the what the world is going through, and it's not it's not convenient, if you will, um, for anybody right now, and and a lot of people are suffering and all that, so. I'm not, there's no complaints. It's just, uh, just like everybody else, you, you want things to go back to a little bit more to normal. And so I think like hockey players where it, it as the weather turns cold, we want to be playing our game and the yeah. summers are for when you actually relax a little bit. And, uh, I think, you know, getting the, eventually getting back to those, those time frames would be great, but we understand it's not, it's not normal. And we, we, uh, we have to adjust and, and, uh, just like society, I, I think we have to be giving of ourselves in terms of understanding that, you know, it's not normal right now. So just you got to deal with it and it's, it's okay. It's, it's, it's what life is thrown at us. And, uh, you know, I look at the generations before us have gone through a lot tougher times than we have right now. Yeah. Uh, we just have a bigger platform to voice our opinions and our, our complaints uh, in our, our previous generations, I think. So what is your days, you know, like, let's say, uh, well, today's Monday. So uh, what does your day or week look like now? Because you're obviously not doing the, the physical, the coaching part. Is it more yeah. administrative game, yeah, testing, you know, all that? It's, it's more of that. Um, I, I think, uh, what I've learned uh, during the, the bubble, I try to keep my days as normal as, as possible. So um, 
you know, when we when we broke off, I was in on Zoom calls with a number of different coaches around the around the league. We call it Coaches Cafe. We had about fifty coaches. <laughs> um, it was started by uh, uh, Steve Montgomery and uh, John Goins, uh, two good young coaches, and they uh, what they did is they reached out to to uh, John was in the junior ranks. He reached out to a number of junior coaches. Um, uh, Monty uh, reached out to some NHL coaches like myself and and uh, Mike Babcock and Ken Hitchcock and some of the older older coaches in the league. Um, and then we call they called some American League coaches and that. And we probably started off with twenty five. We probably ended up with fifty. Um, and we just brought up to- uh, topics. And it wasn't, uh, it was, it was, you know, how do you deal with your extra players? How do you, you know, how do you look at different, different aspects of the game? So we were doing that Monday, Wednesday, Friday, right through the, for about three or four months. And uh, we had different speakers on Jeff Fisher, who's a friend of mine, spoke uh, about some of the things that they deal in with in football and Scotty Bowman came on and Jacques Lemaire and, and how they see the game, Dave King. Uh, from our aspect, we had some of the media people, analytics people on uh, talking about what they look, look for. And it was really informative. And I think tried to keep our days normal. So the morning was all for me was all about my profession and trying to get better. Uh, and then in the afternoon was uh, was uh, a white wife projects that she gave me <laughs> and, and, and projects that I put off. Uh, getting those caught up, and then uh, I have a special needs son, so trying to do some of those things with him uh, after school. Maybe at uh, we have a trampoline, we have we have a tandem bike that I go with him on, and and stuff like that. So getting him some fitness and and doing some stuff like that. So I tried to stay uh, fairly current and, and regular. And now, uh, for the most part, uh, I come in in the mornings trying to do that routine. Uh, today I was looking at. Uh, changing all our, our training camp presentations. I think it's going to be a very short camp when we get, get back playing. And so I'm, I'm just refining it a little bit, taking some things that we took from our, from our experience in the bubble, uh, that training camp, as well as things that we, we refined during the, our, our time playing. So uh, in adding current, I'll say current clips or films and, yeah. and talking to our coaches and players and make sure that they got everything they need. So here's a, uh, one of the things that we talk about on Big Daddy and Friends is like a trending thing so or a, an issue that's going yep. on right now. So we're going to now use, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but the Denver Broncos yesterday, they played a game and they did not fare too well, but they had three quarterbacks get uh, coronavirus. So they played with a running back that played quarterback didn't fare too well. So my question would be to you would be, what if both your goalies went down? Who would you play with if, if you had a game that day? Well, obviously in the NHL, I think we're, we can go three deep on goalies, um, uh-huh. which is which is fortunate. Um, but if we weren't able to, I, I'll tell you what, I, I'd have to go down my roster. I'd, I don't know if there's anybody who has played goal uh, we might have to sign our uh, our uh, equipment uh, assistant who has played goal, and I think in college. Uh, 
uh, <laughs> he might have to go in that. Uh, but uh, it's it'd be difficult. Uh, I you know I don't uh, I understand what happened in in Denver. They broke. Uh, there's there's reasons there's protocols in place. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, um, and so it's really on the individual and it's on the team. I mean, it, it, we have to hold these these protocols. I mean, they're if, if they don't, then you're holding up the whole league. So. Um, having the NFL make them play, I think is the right thing to do. Uh, they didn't take ownership. I mean, uh, I think now, nowadays, uh, and I'm big on this and I, I'm big on accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, accountability, what I find now uh, for, for us in, in society, accountabilities, everybody wants accountability until it affects us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, yeah. and so, you know, I, I think accountability, uh, you know, everybody has a, plays the blame game. Uh, from what I understand, and I, you know, they, those are just what I hear on TV is that, you know, they all had their masks off. They didn't have the distancing. Uh, they didn't have their trackers on as it, that they have in terms of that. So all those things, they, they broke all the rules. And, and so, um, you know, I, I think the NFL made the, the right call and saying, hey, you got to play the game. It's it's not on the NFL to hold your hand and, and make sure that you do everything safely. It's on the individuals and on the team. So uh, I think those same type of protocols, uh, when we get back playing, are, are going to be important. Uh, they're going to be an advantage for you, a team that can stay disciplined in those areas, uh, uh, stay healthy uh, because of COVID, and, and, and eligible is probably the better word. Um, then you're going to have an advantage, and what you're, we're in a team sport, so – I'm big on that. So here's a funny story. I, uh, I relate this to my college playing days. We used to have a test that uh, we had to run six laps around a track, and you had 12 minutes to do it. And as a lineman, you know, 280, 290 pounds, it's not always the most fun thing to uh, get done. But I, I made sure every year I had never missed that because I did not want to run after practice because what they would do is if you didn't make that run, after we did our running, they would pull you to the side and you would run with the strength coach till I guess he felt that you were in shape. Yeah. So I was doing a little research, and I wanted to know what hot laps was all about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, share that story with me. Yeah. You know, one of the things that uh, I talk to so many coaches, these, you know, the young coaches, and, and uh, I think sometimes we take ourselves way too seriously. And uh, someone will ask me, well, what was your, your, your best, you know, I do these uh, coaches clinics and, you know, what was the best decision you ever made? And I, I've had a lot of difficult decisions. But the one, the best one I ever made was the hot lap. In the hot lap, we were, uh, I was with the Washington Capitals. We were in uh, Tampa Bay, game seven of the conference final. We win that game. Uh, we go to the Stanley Cup finals. And um, uh, Ovi started, uh, uh, Alex Ovechkin uh, started a thing um, with Jay Beagle. Uh, at the start of the playoffs, they would do a, a lap to get the morning skate going. And it was called a hot lap. And, uh, and I think Beegs was, uh, he was one of those guys that, uh, fourth liner that really would drive the, the group. And, uh, he wanted to get Ovi going because he knew that we couldn't win without Ovi really going. So 
he convinced Ovi of this hot lap and uh, sort of taken ownership of the, of the attitude of the team before the game, you know. And um, so right through the playoffs, they would call out a guy each time. And a guy would do a hot lap, and then that would start the morning skate or the practice. Well, there's a lot of tension, obviously. Uh, I think uh, we were playing uh, Tampa. We had won the first two games in Tampa. Uh, then we lost the next couple, and we were down 3-2. We won in Washington, and we were playing game seven. And you could tell there was a little bit of a uh, there's a weight on everybody's shoulders. And I'm walking out to the, to the ice, and it was extra quiet that day. It was extra quiet. And as I'm walking out, I'm thinking – there's, they're nervous because usually I can hear some, you know, some chattering and some, you know, some guys cutting up a little bit and it was a little extra quiet. So I had a feeling as I was walking out, there was a little bit of tension. And also I, I think they were, they were looking for something to, to, to sort of loosen the tension a little bit. So as I'm walking out, I, I look at Ovi and I said, who's got the hot lap? And he's like, I says, you want, you, you're looking at me, you want me to do it? And he just sort of said, I think it's, I think I do, you know? And uh, so I, I went around the ice. It took me about 16 seconds. I went as fast as I could uh, with my old man body. And uh, <laughs> I watched almost it. Did it, it, almost did it at the end. You can, you can go on YouTube. Yeah, and, I watched uh, it. I watched it. It was good. And uh, I tried to do it right at the end. I always oh, drop his knee. I tried to do that at the end, but I almost bit it. So my rudder <laughs> wouldn't get down and, and all that. But uh, one of the best coaching des- decisions I, I made, I, I think what I say to young coaches is don't take yourself too seriously because there's times when your team is going to need you. And uh, if I, I know uh, some coaches that I coach with and I know some coaches I coach against, if a player would have said, you know, would you do it? They wouldn't. They just yeah. wouldn't. They, they just have a, a persona or ego about it. I, I don't. And so that was, to me, one of the best coaching decisions I've made because the players were basically saying, I, we, we really need you today. We need you to do something out of the ordinary to get us rid of the tension. I did the hot lap, and we were as loose as a goose, and we played great uh, that night. And uh, we went on to the Stanley Cup Finals, and we ended up winning the Stanley Cup. And to this day, uh, we all, they all laugh about the hot lap because they, they, they took a little, big weight off their shoulders. So, best advice is don't take yourself too serious sometimes. Well, I, uh, you know what? Like I said in my research, and when I saw that, and then I watched it, it was like, wow. I'm not going to tell coach. I'm just going to bring this out and let me hear his interpretation of the hot lap. And that's a great story. That's a, definitely a great story to, and I'll share it too with other people. So, uh, and then, you know, one of the things that we talk about on the show real quick is uh, we try to add a great food story. So, uh, you know, obviously when you look at me, you think of food right away. Cause I always meet everybody in a restaurant in wherever, wherever there's food. So obviously when we first met uh, through your agent and, you know, a friend of mine, Gil Scott, we met at the, uh, you know, best pizzeria in New York, Umberto's in New Hyde Park. And, uh, you know, to share that, I always like to share anything that's positive 
with people, especially food. You know, food, yeah. everyone loves food. Um, everyone likes pizza. And uh, you guys had that last supper set up there at that table. So from uh, watching you guys all smile and everything, I'm like, okay, Coach is enjoying the meal and his family likes it. So, you know, uh, Umberto wanted to make sure that uh, he welcomed you with uh, open arms and uh, you enjoyed it. I, I did, and uh, like I say, I, that might have been the best pizza I've had in in New York. And I've, I've tried to to find those those good spots, but uh, right now the mom and mom and pop uh, places are are the best. Uh, yeah. I, I, not into the ch the big chains, but uh, that was a that was a good meal. Yeah, he's been doing that. Uh, I'm 55, and I met him when I was nine, so he's been at that game for uh, a long time, and. Uh, I could say this body's had a few of those pies. <laughs> so, uh, but in ending, you know, I, I have to say this is a new show and uh, I'm so honored and, and so happy that you came on. And uh, I want to introduce you to all the fans and, and, you know, it's a great to become friends and, and brag about you and, uh, and cheer you on at the same time. Cause all I want is success for all my friends and uh, and to keep winning and, and doing the right thing. Well, Big Daddy, one of the things I, I, I think I, I have a good uh, understanding of, of uh, people that I meet that are, are caring and you're one that, that cares. And uh, and uh, Gil and Gil has said nothing but great things since we've met and I understand why. And every time that we do meet and, and talk, we'll have to meet at Umberto's and share a pie so that we're not uh, getting the calorie count too high. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of my own pie, I'll split it with you, you know. <laughs> we'll have to split it one or two ways, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sure. So uh, I want to say again, uh, thank you so much for being on, and uh, we'll do this again another time, and I look forward to seeing you down the road, and good luck this year. Thank you, and uh, I, I anytime have me on. We'll. Uh, uh, I got to ask you a question before we go. Sure. Best thing you saw on Netflix, Hulu. Um, what's trending there for you? Wow. Well, you know what? I, I'm not a big net, you know Netflix or Hulu kind of guy, but I will tell you that when during the whole lockdown, so to speak, the movie that really caught my eye was Green Book. Okay. Yeah. Did you ever see that movie? Many times. It's one of my favorite. Yeah, I saw that. I must have seen that like five times in a in a in a three month period because uh, it was just so inspiring, and you know, you learn a whole story and uh, how it ends, and and you know, learning. You, I learned a lot from that movie. Yeah. How appropriate that was for this time. Where yeah. Country is. Yeah, so, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I, it's one of my favorites too. It's uh, I love that uh, one. One to any sports fan or, or like a, a lighthearted, uh, fun, but actually has some coaching traits in it. Uh, Phil Lasso. Look that up. You'll. You, it, that's a great movie for to have. A, Phil Lasso. Okay. Yeah, it, uh, and I'll get to the premise is real simple. Um, uh, a couple owns a Premier League in in England. Mm-hmm. And they get divorced, and the wife gets the football team, which is the passion of her husband, and she wants to destroy it, so she hires a football coach. Football in England is obviously soccer, soccer football yeah. in the States. So she hires a 
Division Three football coach <laughs> that coach a Premier League, oh, and it no. is it is a good, funny uh, series. Uh, but if you really look at it for all young coaches, I say, watch the coaching techniques and it's nothing to do with X and O's. I will add that to my list of things to watch immediately. And then I'll uh, have to share with my, uh, my younger brother, who's a football coach. He's on the Buffalo Bill staff. Yeah. So yeah. I'll have to uh, share that with him as well. Tell him that you recommended it. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good Good laugh, and uh, it's 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 season one, so it's it's fantastic. Well, thank you again, Coach, for everything. And uh, if we don't speak before then, I want to say Merry Christmas to you and your family. And again, thank you for coming on. Yeah, anytime, and happy uh, you know happy holidays to you, and uh, stay safe and and stay lean. I'm working on it, Coach. I'm working <laughs> on it. I might have to come over and do some hot laps. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think Take that care. that alone would get media attention. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, all right, Coach, I'll talk to you soon, and thanks again. All right, take care. Okay, bye-bye.